Good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome home. We're so glad you're here. If you're watching online or being here in person, we are excited uh, that you're here this morning. We're in the middle of a series today uh, called He Shall Be Called, looking at four different names that the prophet Isaiah used to describe this coming Messiah. I was thinking about this whole idea of names going along with this series because picking a name is hard. I mean, I remember when we, we had a chocolate lab dog for a while, and we spent more time trying to come up with a name to name this dog that chewed up everything, by the way. It's not just, you know, a dog. Sometimes we come up with a, it's hard to come up with a name for maybe a company that we're starting, some type of a business. It was hard for us as a church to, to just wrestle with what would be the right name for the church that we're going to be launching, uh, in February in Columbus. I mean, maybe you've had this, you know, issue before coming up with a name for someone that, you know, maybe it was a child or, or some different kind of a name. And I've even heard stories where, uh, and maybe this happened to you or someone you know where the baby's been born. It's two or three days later. And I, you know, as a pastor, you'd go in and say, well, what's the baby's name? And they'd say, we're still trying to figure it out. I mean, that happens sometimes. And maybe it's sometimes it's hard to come up with a name. And yet Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came to earth and was born, already has given us four names that God will be called. We started off talking about Wonderful Counselor and last week, Mighty God. And this morning, we're talking about Everlasting Father, that Jesus, this coming Messiah, is the Everlasting Father. When you study that word everlasting, it's talking about the Father of eternity. Now, when we think this, this whole idea that we're talking about today is kind of hard for us to wrap our brains around because we have finite minds that think in terms of time. But the reality is this morning that Jesus is timeless. There has never been a time where he wasn't which means he's called the father of eternity. Before we were existed, before Abraham was born, God was, Jesus was. Before God created the heavens and the earth, God was. Eternity, it's forever. The chiefs had beat the chargers nine times in a row, and I thought, they are going to forever beat the Chargers. I had to get that in for Robin Chase back there. But every, but even that, you know, as, as many times as the Chiefs have beat the Chargers, every once in a while that, that happens. <laughs> Nobody's laughing. That's all right. <laughs> we are. We're all in mourning. That is very true today. But we're talking about eternity today. While some things last, you know, for a long period of time, we know that everything has a time and everything has a season. I mean, Methuselah, who's the longest, you know, lived longer than anybody else in history, lived like 962 years. I mean, but there was still a birth date and an end date. And yet Jesus, Jesus is, is everlasting. He's, he's eternal. He's without beginning or end. Now, don't let that just swim over your head because you don't know what to do with that. Think about that for a minute. There has never been a time where Jesus wasn't. We value results and experience, you know, in life. We all understand that doctors operate on someone for the first time. We just don't want it to be us. 
I mean, imagine if you're like, the doctor comes in and they're like, man, I'm so excited. I just finished my clinicals and, and, and uh, you're the first person that I'm going to operate on. I mean, that's, that's, a, you know, that's not a good thing. Why? Because you value experience. I mean, you're on a flight and, and you hear over the, over the intercom, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. After finishing all these hours of flight training, you are the first flight where there's actually been people on the plane. I'm so excited. Why? Because we value experience. Folks, there is not a season in our life that Jesus hasn't seen a million times. There is not a season in your life that Jesus has not been present and we know this time of the year is difficult. You hear us say it every year, and, and Pastor Jim used to be the pastor of the church here, and he would say it, and, and people all over the world and churches say it because it's so true. This time of year is hard for most people. Someone you love's not here, or you're reminded of some relationship that, that's not right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a tough time of the year, but there's hope today because Jesus is where you've been and he is where you are and he is where you will be because he's eternal he's everlasting he's without beginning or end we can only wrap our minds around that so much but the reality is he is everywhere in fact john says in the beginning the word already existed The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word talking about Jesus. He existed in the beginning with God. And this morning, may that be a comfort to you. What's crazy, though, is even though Jesus was eternal and He's everlasting, He's he's whole, right? He's balanced. He's healthy. He's he's full of holiness and wholeness and goodness and, and, and perfectness. Why we sing the songs that we sing and why we worship this morning is because Christ left the eternal and entered the broken. Christ left heaven and came to earth because of his love for humanity. So the word became human and made his his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. I know that Mother Teresa was not born in Calcutta, but we know that she spent a lot of her life there. No one made her. No one forced her to. She left a more healthy situation and gave up her life to the cause of restoring the broken. Jesus, even in his trip here, left the whole for the broken. And even in his path to us through the baby, we're reminded that as followers of Jesus, We are called to engage in the broken. We are called to come alongside those that are broken. We are called as followers of Jesus, if we're going to follow his example, 
to care about where other people are and walk with them. In fact, a sign of our wholeness, a sign of our spiritual maturity, a sign that we are from the kingdom of heaven, is our willingness to enter the broken. And a sign that we are broken is an unwillingness to walk alongside those that are broken. See, we look at the addict and say they are the broken. And Jesus says maybe they are. But your unwillingness to reach out to the addict or that person that's hurting reveals your brokenness. Spiritual blindness is also an addiction. Jesus understood that. That there was a world full of of spiritually blind, broken people. And so He made the trip from from heaven to earth because of His love and His faithfulness. And can you imagine that day, as, as, as Adam said in this service and, and Brooke mentioned in the first service, that these angels who, who came and initially the angel appears to the shepherd. I mean, if you were going to pick someone to, to, you know, to appear to, you would think it would be some type of a leader, somebody who you know, had some status and influence that could get the word out. And yet, Jesus sends this angel and, and, and the, the Lord, you know, appears through the angel to, to the lowly shepherd, the, the depressed, the hurting, the lonely, the less than. Again, modeling what the kingdom of heaven is about. It's not about, you know, socioeconomic status. And he appears, the angel appears and says, I bring you good news. What, you're going to send me another shepherd so that I'm not out here by myself? You're going to, the, the price of sheep is up? What, what's the good news? I, I don't bring you the happiness, you know, meaning that everything's perfect, that, that, that you're not going to be lonely. I don't bring you a new pasture for your sheep to graze. I don't bring you someone who's going to tell you you're doing a good job. You're talking about happiness. I bring you great joy. It's for all people. And I can't give you just one name because one name doesn't describe this person that's coming, this baby. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord the everlasting Father has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David, not in the hotel, but in the barn. Jesus leaves wholeness and perfection and holiness and all the things that we think of when we think of intact. And enters into the broken through broken people 
to where broken people find themselves in a gutter or in a barn. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Everything Jesus would do and say caused people to step back. I mean, even, even despite the fact that he, he left these places and the shepherds went to the, you know, to the manger and, and, and the stable and saw this, and even though Jesus was doing signs and wonders, I mean, he was investing in the people and doing all these things, the people still assumed that he was coming to establish an earthly kingdom instead of a, a heavenly kingdom. I mean, he didn't come to establish an earthly kingdom. He came to be the truth for the heavenly kingdom. Jesus came to be the truth. We spend so much of our time on earth today and 2,000 years ago when Jesus came investing in, in earthly kingdoms acquiring land and you know acquiring money pursuing hobbies to the point of you know that it can become an idol we 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 invest in all these different kinds of things that have a place but they're temporal and, and they fade and they don't last forever jesus said i didn't come for that i came to be the truth for the kingdom of heaven he said my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom My kingdom is not of this world. It's interesting as we talk through this and we think about this today, that the reality is, is that we're called to get enamored with the right kingdom and the right truth. We can get so enamored. I remember a a friend of mine got so enamored with buying this new car because he loved the way it looked. And I'm like, dude, that is, you cannot afford that. Man, I love this. It's just going to be awesome. He buys it like three months later. He has to sell it, you know, because he can't afford it. The shine of it and, and, and the, the t- you know, just the, the curb appeal of it, whatever you want to call it, just sucked him in. And the people of that day and even today, we can get so focused on the things that that leave us lacking. Jesus says, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. It's not of this world. He said, I was born and I came into this world to testify to the truth. You know, in our culture, we're always asking the question, what is truth? What is the way? In fact, even in our culture today, we can even just say, you define your own truth. What is truth for you? You know, whatever makes you feel happy, that's your truth. If you want to leave your husband or leave your wife, if that's going to make you happy, then that's truth. If you, whatever feels right to you, if they're hurting, don't worry about it. Just, you know, space. You need your time. You need your space. Jesus said, the question isn't what is truth. The question is, what is the truth? And Jesus said, I am the truth. 
Jesus' life and death and resurrection testified to the truth. I mean, he was always living in front of people what truth looked like. Listen, you've been told when someone hurts you, hurt them back. But I tell you, forgive them. I tell you, turn to them the other cheek. You've been told to be first, but I say, be last. The last will be first, and the first will be last. He was redefining what is truth. What is truth is not the same as what is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. Let's finish it together. Except through me. I worked at a, a bank in Kansas City while I was going to school, and there was a, a, a lady there that was kind of probably in her 50s, and I was in my 20s, and she and I started talking and, and became good friends while I worked there, and, and she was going through a hard time, and she said one time, don't you believe that there's many ways to God? Don't you believe that there's many paths to God? And, you know, I said, I don't, Chris. I don't believe that. The Bible doesn't tell us that there's many paths to God. The Bible says there's one way to God. And Jesus said, I am the way. The everlasting Father, the Father of eternity, I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. My mom lived in Key West, Florida for two or three or four years. And if you've ever been there before, there's only one road that leads in and out. You can get there by flight, but there's only one way to drive in and drive out. There's not many paths. There's one way. One way in and one way out. This morning... Maybe someone needs to know today that the path to heaven is not being a good person. The Bible says none of us are good. All the good things that you could ever do for someone can point to what Jesus looks like, but it doesn't save anyone. The way to heaven, the way to eternal life, the way to peace in your heart on here on earth, not just for heaven, but here on earth, is through Jesus Christ, which makes him the gatekeeper. Because of Jesus leaving the, 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 the eternal and, and entering the temporal and, 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 and entering into our mess and walking with us in our mess and, and overcoming that mess on the cross and being raised to life on the third day, and giving a, and because of that, Jesus has given all authority in heaven and earth. He's the gatekeeper. And sometimes it's like, um, you know, we want to get into into a, a, you know 
the seating at, at a ball game because somebody else has got a ticket. You know, I can sit in the skybox because that person has tickets or, or I can, you know, get into heaven because my wife goes to church all the time. It, it doesn't work like that. We all have to acknowledge that Jesus is the path to eternal life. I learned this in Sunday school when I was four years old. Some of you know this well. Maybe you've never heard this before. But for this is how God loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. Can you say that with me? Everyone It doesn't say everyone. It doesn't say everyone. It says everyone who believes. Jesus came so everyone could believe. Jesus came. He sent his son into the world not to judge, but to save. Not to judge, but to save. Can I tell you this morning, there was already judgment. That's why Jesus came into the world. God had already judged us, and he looked at us and said, they don't have it. They don't cut it. They're not good enough. They're full of sin. They're full of doubt. They're full of worry. They're full of themselves. I mean, they're, they're self-focused. And I have judged them. And they aren't going to cut it. So Jesus, you need to go and be the sacrifice. Jesus didn't come to judge. He came to save. Through him. He came to save. Through him. So the question this morning, it's a pretty straightforward message today. What do we do with Jesus, the everlasting Father? You know, whether we intentionally do something with Him or not, we all do something with that. If we're an atheist, what we've decided to do with Jesus is choose to believe that He doesn't exist. You did something with him. Even if you don't believe, you chose to do something with him. There are people, you know, Judaism says that Jesus was a prophet. He was a a great man. He did a lot of great things, but he's not the Messiah. They're doing something with Jesus. That's what they did with him. They believe he's not the Savior. It's not just those scenarios. It's us today. What do we do with Jesus? Do you believe in him? He's the everlasting father. He's he's the father that can walk with you through heartache and loss and depression and anxiety. He's the the father that's been in every season. He's he's seen the, you know, the 85 or 90 year old widow 
who never thought they would be alone. And he was with that person when they got married and he was with them when they got sick and he was with them when their marriage went through a hard time and they stayed together. And he was with them when, when their husband, you know, or when their, their child was killed in a car accident and, and he was with them when, when, you know, there was this, a miracle that took place and they just thought, man, God is so real. And he was with them when the doctor said she's got cancer. He, he was with them in every season. He's without beginning or end. And folks, today, there is not a season that you haven't been through or that you will be in or that you're in right now that Jesus isn't with you. So this morning, I ask you just this question. What do you do with Jesus? If you already have answered that question, maybe you can tell Jesus again. It's okay to tell your spouse you love them more than when you get married, right? It's okay to tell them daily, right? It's okay to tell God again what he means to you. But maybe for some of us, we're not okay with our relationship status with God. You know that God is not first in your life or maybe he's not even in your life. And this morning, I can't help but ask you as we're talking about, I mean, the material that we're going through dictates what the message is going to be about. Today, it's Everlasting Father, which is talking about forever. So it's really hard for me to preach a message about the temporal. It's about eternity, forever. If you died in a car accident today, And you stood before God. Would you be comfortable with where you are with God? Is there anything in your life that you have intentionally or it's just kind of happened put ahead of God? Is there anybody that you know? That needs Jesus? We have like over 600 names on these boards of people, just their first name of people that someone wrote on this board and said, I'm not sure where they're at with God. They've got this stuff going on in their life. What if you begin to pray that Jesus would break through in their life and in their heart? When I was growing up, we had this, we were just like, people were comfortable with coming to the altar to pray, especially my grandparents' generation and my parents' generation. But it seems like with every generation, we just don't really know what to do with the altars. It feels intimidating. We're not sure what happens down there. Maybe some of us have never come to an altar before, but the altar used, used to represent the place where people would break through with God certainly not the only place that a person can break through with God but it's a place and so this morning I just wonder with in light of God being the father of eternity in light of 
we're not promised tomorrow. Maybe there's some people that would come and just represent other people in their life that need Jesus. Maybe there's some people today that you need to come down and ask Jesus into your heart. Maybe there's some of us that just want to stay right where we're at and pray. But I believe this morning that God is wanting to do some work today in people's hearts and in their minds. And so as we stand together this morning, what will you do with Jesus, the everlasting Father?